Hello, garbage men and garbage women. Uh, this is JCS here, just with a short introduction. This is not a uh, full garbage episode, but I recently attended the OpenBSD 2K17 General Hackathon in Toronto, Canada, and unfortunately, Brandon was not able to attend, so I brought a mobile recorder hoping to do some developer interviews, as there were about 40 OpenBSD developers there. But unfortunately, it's difficult to get uh, developers to stop working on cool stuff so that they can talk about working on cool stuff. Uh, but I was able to do one interview with my friend Patrick Wilt, and here is that interview for you. Uh, I apologize for the noise in the background. We were uh, recording in a hallway, and there was a door that kept slamming in the background. So it's not uh, some dude coughing or dying or anything like that. So here you go. So I'm here with... Yeah, Patrick Wilt or Wilt or whatever from w OpenBSD. Wilt, okay. And yeah. your username is Patrick? Just just call me Patrick. Okay. <laughs> Actually, in Germany, I'm called Patrick, but uh, everyone calls me just Patrick here. Okay. Just I'll call you Patrick then. <laughs> uh, so you came to OpenBSD by way of Bitrig? No. No? Actually, no. Well, my first time with OpenBSD was in... Uh, 2012, actually. Um, I was hacking on some Panda board stuff and RB7, and uh, my employer is also um, building appliances based on OpenBSD, so that's kind of how I got into OpenBSD. Okay. And I attended the network hackathon in 2012, which was in Starnberg near Munich, so basically kind of where I live. And that's kind of how I got into OpenBSD. Okay. And so you, uh, that was a network hackathon? Yeah, so, it was a network hackathon. Yeah. So you were doing networky things? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, what were you doing? Just uh, the Panda board stuff? Yeah, just the Panda board stuff. It's, it's just that my uh, employer basically hosted that network hackathon. Okay. And our appliances are all, well, for networking. So that's like what the goal was for. But, uh, well, um, we had a few more coworkers like Stefan, SF, mm -hmm. and Gerhard, uh, and Watashi, I think it's, uh, his name is uh, Erhard, Gustav Erhard. They all went to the hackathon to well, join in and work on stuff. And it wasn't like only networking. Okay. But it was supposed to be one. Right. So if you were doing, so how come you joined Bitrig after that then? Instead of OpenBSD, <laughs> I, I joined OpenBSD and I was part of OpenBSD at that time. You had an account? Yeah, I had an account. What? Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> I had an account, and I committed plenty of stuff uh, regarding Army Seven and the Panda board. In this was around twenty. Yeah, two thousand twelve, something like okay. that. Um, but I got in touch with Dayran, um because he was like the ARM guy and also PowerPC guy, so mm -hmm. he knew plenty of stuff about ARM, and we. Kind of were starting to work together. Okay. And, well, at that time he was not part of OpenBC anymore. So he was still, well, he basically became a Bitrig developer. And we were working on the same but different repository. And uh, at some point it kind of was easier to work with him together on, on the Bitrig repository. I was still committing stuff in OpenBSD, but it was like both projects. Okay. Yeah, and at some point that uh, stopped. So that must be then, after that point, that's when I remember you being 
a Bitrig <laughs> yeah, developer. Exactly. See, I didn't even know you had access before that. <laughs> yeah, I had. Okay. So then how long did you work just on Bitrig then? Well, when did I come back, you know? <laughs> like, I don't know. When did you get your account re-enabled? <laughs> 2016? Okay. Yeah, 2016. Some, uh, actually, like, kind of in the middle of 2016. Because I went to the Cambridge Hackathon. Okay. The General Hackathon, in, in which was like June, something like that, in 2016. And that was my first time meeting Tio again. And how was that? Surprising. I mean, <laughs> I was a bit afraid, you know? Yeah. Because I was like the the... You were the outcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I went to to the pub, and it was like my first day actually arriving there. Mm-hmm. I went to the pub in the evening where the other people hang hung out, and uh, talked to a few guys. And then somebody on the right stood up, and I was looking at the right into like the emptiness. Mm-hmm. And right beside that guy who stood up was Theo. <laughs> he was looking at me like smiling, and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> but he was he was so nice and like. Like saying like, welcome, nice to have you back. You know, yeah. it was I don't know, a bit surprising, but he's just so so nice in general. If you if you talk to him, yeah. And we we talked about ARM, we talked about LLVM, and he was like, just import it. And that's what we actually did. That we, we imported LLVM. That was at the the hackathon in Cambridge. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, we imported LLVM there, and it was pretty good. Cool. So that, I guess, brings us to this hackathon in <laughs> yeah. Toronto. Uh, it's like a year and, and a bit more later, Yeah. next general hackathon. And what are you working on at this hackathon? <laughs> LLVM. <laughs> so the same thing? <laughs> <laughs> same thing, but di- different. This time we, we are much further now in, in actually using LLVM. Yep. Before we imported it and tried it on ARM and used it for ARM64. And this time we have AMD64. And do we also have i386 running on LVM? Yep. Nice. So we have like three major platforms yeah. running with LLVM. Um, and now it's time to upgrade to the next version, to, well, version 5. And that's what I'm doing. Cool. I have like RC1 imported into my local tree mm-hmm. um, and have that compiled for MB64. My whole system actually runs LLVM5 now. I stumbled, which is pretty cool, into one regression, uh, which might actually be a release broker for LLVM5, because I'm currently using RC1, right. so they are still testing it and trying to find bugs. Mm-hmm. And, and you found a bug? I found a bug, yeah. <laughs> Surprisingly, I was compiling the kernel using yeah. the new LLVM, and one file just said, no, I don't want to be compiled. Mm-hmm. had like a warning frame larger than whatever. Right. Um, we we have it set at twenty forty eight. Yeah, yeah. Actually, twenty forty seven. <laughs> okay. <laughs> why? Because I don't know why. Because well, <laughs> you know, a page size is is four K, mm-hmm. and that's like half a usually. And that's like half a page size minus one. I don't know what for. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, it, it errored out, and I looked into that, and it turns out that. They enabled some kind of new inlining feature. I haven't really looked into that, but mm-hmm. um, the stack frame just grows too large because instead of just allocating uh, one variable on a stack, it allocates plenty, like one per call. 
if I have a call which returns a, a struct, mm -hmm. um, it returns one or it allocates one uh, struct per call instead of just reusing the one that I defined in, in my local stack. Okay. Um, and that's, I guess, a bug. Okay. So you filed that bug and hopefully it'll be fixed by the next release candidate? I hope so. Yeah. Um, I got some pretty good response because I, I, um, I was on the LLVM RC channel mm -hmm. and complained like, uh, should it be doing that? One guy was like, oh, file a bug. <laughs> <laughs> so I filed a bug and there are like two people looking at it now. Like one actually um, bisected, using git bisected, yeah. actually found out which commit it is and uh, what changed, like how the stack size changed be be um, before and after that. Mm -hmm. Someone else just said, oh, it looks like a release blocker. So uh, it looks pretty important, actually. <laughs> so people are mad at you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think they're oh, actually happy about it. Because yeah. the, the one guy was um, doing FreeBSD stuff and he was like, it would happen to us as well when we upgraded. Yeah. So they're happy that we actually try it and, and, and find bugs before we do the release. Sure. So assuming they fix that bug, you're ready to commit the update? I haven't tested any ports. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, you're building on ARM64? Uh, no, I was building on AB64. Okay. And have my base system running with it. I want to build it on ARM64 and I'm still fighting with something, but I'm not fighting <laughs> with LLVM, I'm fighting with ARM64. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so are you doing any ARM-specific things at the hackathon? I wanted to, yeah. and then I realized, oh, Dale is doing exactly what I was wanting to do. Which is what? <laughs> well, um, <laughs> it's like when you do a while true and just sleep, while true sleep 0 0.1, mm -hmm. um, it forks and exits all the time. And then case H says, oh, crap, something happened. It crashes out. Hmm. So it's like some, some bug and it's not only in hardware, I also see it on Cuemo. It yeah. means that it's like a software issue, right. not uh, a hardware issue. Unless they're perfectly emulating hardware <laughs> bugs in Cuemo. <Q> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I wanted to look at that, and it turns out Dalas are already looking at it, so it doesn't make sense to do the same job as well. Right. And he's pretty good at it because he's got plenty of history of debugging architectures, and yeah. he knows exactly what to do and how to find that stuff out. Right. So instead, I, uh, well, now I, I got some hardware from Catanus, the T Firefly RK3399, something like that. It looks like a pretty decent hardware. Um, the only issue so far is, well, actually, two issues. The default baud rate for the UART is like 1,500,000, I don't know. It's ridiculous. Okay. Uh, and we, we don't support it. Right. Like, it's, it's too fast for uh, our driver, or actually we just cannot set it. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is that we don't have a U-boot yet for it. So there is a U-boot installed, or actually it starts Android, um, and there's a Ubuntu image which uses U-boot, but we actually want to supply our own U-boot. So that's what I'm looking at now. Okay. And then we probably have uh, a better UART baud rate. Right. Okay, so what is your like general interest in ARM? Like, why do you 
like it and do work on it? That's a that's a good question. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's you know when when I started with ARM, it was actually at, at work. Um, you had like a few panda boards around, and I just joined um, the team I'm I'm with now, still with. Um, or Marcus is basically Marcus at OpenBSD is like the leader of, leader of the team. Mm-hmm. I had a few panda boards, and I was like, hmm. Well, it started a bit before because I was already doing iDroid on the iPhone. Yeah, you were showing me that yesterday. Yeah. That's pretty weird. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I got interested into that because I had like an iPhone and was like, oh, uh, can we run Android? Yeah. Because Android is open source and stuff. <laughs> uh, and I did plenty of stuff there with the 3G, with the iPhone 4. And so I had some knowledge and interest in, in ARM mm-hmm. just because of the iPhone. So I saw the panda board at work and was like, oh, it's an ARM. And wanted to have a look at running OpenBSD on it. Yeah. And I guess I'm still with ARM. <laughs> <laughs> was that early iPhone ARM v7 or was that something older? I think it even had an ARM v6 at some point. Okay. But basically the same as far as working on it. ARMv6 and ARMv7? Yeah. Similar, but different. Yeah. yeah. Uh, pretty similar, yeah. So do you use, uh, like, do you use them at ARM devices at your house or your home? or? <laughs> I wish. I have so many <laughs> ARM devices lying around, but... <laughs> but you don't actually use any of them? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> I, I have, like, a, a NanoPi Neo 2. Yeah. which is an all-winner H5-based machine, pretty low power. It only has uh, <laughs> a port for power and one USB port, Ethernet and the MMC. And I want to use it as VPN gateway. So like, mm. it's it's a mini cube, really tiny, yeah. nothing else. And I want to use it as a gateway so I can like connect to my other houses, well, my family and right. brother. Uh, but <laughs> we have no support for the Ethernet yet. Mm-hmm. Catanus is working on it, okay. and the MMC is still broken. So the, the thing is basically useless for <laughs> now. Okay. So how many like ARM boards do we support that enough that you can like make a router out of it and use USB or any of the ports that come you, with it? You know that's kind of the issue because we don't really support hardware that has multiple ports. Mm. I mean, if you want to have a networking device, you usually want to have more ports so you can have like an uplink and then right. your uh, local links. Yeah. And it turns out that ARM doesn't have plenty of those because uh, it's like an embedded device and not a networking device, right. like you can see on the MIPS. Um, but there are more coming. So there's like, well, I have a ClearFog Pro and there's also like ClearFog Base, which is an ARMv7 machine. Okay. We support a bit of that. But I haven't committed all yet because there's so much stuff to do once <laughs> and everywhere else. Yeah, um, I just don't don't get to actually pushing it through because that base, Clifford Black base, actually has three dedicated ports. Okay, so it's not a switch. Mm-hmm. The Clifford Pro has two dedicated ports and one switch. We could support a switch so that we do uh, VLAN tagging. Okay. So we can like differentiate the parts using VLAN tags, mm-hmm. but that means someone has to write the code. <laughs> okay. Um, but if you're looking at general ARM machines that only have one port, we have like the Qbox I, which is pretty well supported. Okay. The Panda board is pretty old. Shouldn't use that anymore. <laughs> okay. 
um, and maybe a few all-winner devices. Okay. But the Cubox I is basically the, the one to get if you want to have something stable. Okay. So no Raspberry Pi. Oh, the Raspberry Pi is a special <laughs> kind of monster. <laughs> I mean, it's. It seems to be the most widely available, at least. It is. So. It is. But you know, it, it has plenty of history. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the first Raspberry Pi was still like an ARM V. I don't know five. I don't know exactly. With the weird blobs that. Yeah, we, we still have. Those, um, but every actually every system has it. So the Raspberry Pi is well. There are three versions now, like big revisions. Mm -hmm. The first revision was like RV4, RV5. Um, we don't support that one because it's not RV7, just too old. Yeah. Uh, then we have the Raspberry Pi 2, which is uh, Cortex A7, which is actually an RV7. Okay. We have some kind of issue with the USB controller. It's the DWC2. Yeah. And it just doesn't work. It's like we use it and then the timer counts backwards or skips or something like that. <laughs> okay. Like a completely unrelated controller just yeah. doesn't work anymore properly. Uh, so it's not reliable. Uh, the Raspberry Pi 3 uh, actually has a 64 bit core, like the Cortex A53. Um, and we can run ARM64 in it. Okay. We don't have a mini root yet. Uh, we still need the blobs, and obviously we, we need the blobs. Um, but it's just firmware. Yeah. It's not a driver that you run on OpenBSD. It's really just firmware that we also have on other machines. Right. Uh, and it, it it's better. So what was the firmware issue that Theo complained about initially that said we would never support it? I think he didn't realize that it was just firmware and not oh. a driver. Okay. I mean, there has been a GPU driver that was a blob, but that one is open source now, so we can basically compile it ourselves and it's BSD licensed oh, okay. if we want to port it. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, it has plenty of blobs. And the reason is that um, the Raspberry Pi works like this. It basically, the GPU starts first and the GPU loads the firmware from the SD card. Okay. And then the GPU loads the kernel from the SD card, puts it into memory, and then kicks off the CPU. Ah. Because most of the logic is running on the CPU. Right. Like if you want to have um, a frame buffer per display, mm -hmm. you simply um, ask the GPU for a frame buffer. Mm -hmm. There's like a Maybox API, and you can just use the API and give it, okay, I want a frame buffer, and then you get an address and you can use it. So uh, the firmware is <laughs> running on a GPU. The hmm. GPU is kind of the main processor. Yeah. And that's why you need a big blob. Right. Because you want to be able to fix like APIs between the kernel and the GPU hmm. or improve things. So it's not like hard coded or, or really flashed into some, some flash. Hmm. You can exchange it. And I think that's actually a good feature. The only issue is that we have to uh, provide them somehow if you want to install it. Right. So we have to have like the a port or something for it to rebuild it in a firmware like we do with the yeah, core we, boot. Yeah, we, uh, we, we can't build a firmware because that part is obviously a, a blob. There mm -hmm. are open source efforts, but uh, it's not that far yet. But we would have to have a port that well, source it in user local, and then you can build a mini route, maybe, and include the blobs. Yeah. That would work, but someone has to do the job. 
Okay. It's like with the Pine 64. We can run on the Pine 64, mm -hmm. but I don't think our mini provides it yet. Uh, it also needs Blob. We can compile it. We need an ARM Trusted Firmware, we need a U-Boot, we need to bundle it together, and then we can put it on the mini root, the SD card, and then it boots. And we can redistribute all that? Who? Because I think that may have actually been the initial issue that Theo had was yeah. even if the blob was there, we couldn't redistribute it. So it was like we couldn't even tell you how to install it. I think we can redistribute um, the things that we compile ourselves, like eBoot and, mm -hmm. and uh, the ATF. I'm not sure about the Raspberry Pi stuff. I mean, there is maybe some like kind of license agreement that you can actually provide it. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Well, but how do other operating systems do that? Do they just well, don't care? Linux just doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they yeah, they're they just redistribute the Intel firmware that we won't redistribute ourselves. I mean, it's 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 not like it's not like it's that bad because we don't like compile our things into that blob. We just yeah. ship that blob and we have that blob in, on the mini root and yeah. I mean, we can provide it all. But it's still not that nice that we have to ship blobs. Yeah. There are better um, systems which actually have like an eFi. So like I have an AMD machine which <laughs> shows an American Megatrans bias. <laughs> yeah, it's an, it's an ARM64 machine built by AMD. Huh. That's pretty weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. So you uh, have a console. There's no VGA. You have a console and you enter the BIOS and you're like, wait. I, I'm not sure this is an ARM machine and not an x86. Uh, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> but it's a, a full-blown E5 BIOS. Weird. It's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. What device is that? Uh, it's, an, it's a prototype. Oh. I got it a few <laughs> years ago. I see. It's like a first revision prototype. It Did it fall <laughs> off the back of a truck? <laughs> <laughs> no, they sent it to me. Oh, okay. They sent it to me. AMD itself, really. Huh. It was pretty interesting because I was expecting just a, like a tiny board. Yeah. And then they shipped it using UPS and shipped it to their Netherlands location from the Netherlands to me. And when I opened the door to accept it, it was like a huge package. Really? A huge package. And then I realized, oh, shit. sorry. They <laughs> <laughs> uh, shipped a 19-inch uh, rack mount server. Oh. And I opened it up and I saw like a proper PSU, yeah. uh, a hard drive with a digital and plenty of space to put PCI huh. devices, like a um, 2U machine. Wow. How many cores does it have? I think eight, but two are disabled because they're broken. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and they recommend to only use SATA port zero or one uh. because the others are <laughs> the others unreliable. Are <laughs> That sounds like a prototype. It is a prototype, yeah. but it, it's good enough for a start, you know? So, uh, have you seen anything, like, as far as when they're going to release that? <laughs> or are they abandoning it, or what? I think it's gone. Really? I mean, you still have, like, one supplier, which is uh, Soft Iron, and they sell the Overdrive 1000 and 3000, which we uh, got for OpenBSD. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, it's, I don't see anything else. It's, it looks like they're not doing it anymore. Hmm. They were working on, um, you know, that Zen microarchitecture. Yeah. And they wanted to release an ARM version for that as well. But I haven't seen one. So I feel like they have abandoned all hopes and just 
They're going to stick to x86. Yeah. It's actually too bad because the hardware is pretty good. Yeah. It's very generic, very easy. There's no big clock tree. You have an SMMU, you have ACI, you have PCI Express controller. The PCI Express controller does not need any other um, configuration. Basically, you just use it mm -hmm. as it's defined. No quirks. It's, it's nice and easy. Hmm. The only thing that was not good is the 10 gig Ethernet. Uh, because that is like a special controller from DesignWare or Synopsis or something like that. Yeah. And we don't have support for that. FreeBSD imported one, actually. Uh, the soft iron people don't... Well, apparently in the newer revisions, there is no controller anymore. So uh, soft iron basically ships um, them with a PCI card or like with a Realtek, WordCom, I don't know, oh. network card connected yeah. to PCI. But that's better. We have support for that. Yeah. Cool. Is there anything else you wanted to cover? <laughs> that was like a really deep dive into ARM. All right. Well, I guess if that's it. Uh, oh, do you have any like internet things you want to oh, advertise right. or say like, like follow like, me like on? Like Brandon who says uh, with a K and OW. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you can. I have a Twitter. Actually, I have two Twitters. Okay. Um, because too many people were following me for technical stuff on my private Twitter, and I was like, oh, shit, what do I do now? <laughs> so I opened up a, a second one. Okay. <laughs> so it's uh, Blue Rice, and the English one is actually Blue Rice with an N, like Blue Rice E-N. Okay. But skip the second E. Yeah. And I'm Blue Rice on IRC, like OFTC or Freenode or anywhere else. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Okay.